Welcome into our first ever Sunday Snapback series. It is our reactionary podcast on a Sunday morning uh, from the Hawkeyes and Tallboys podcast network. We are here again. I'm your host, Rob Wall, here with Bo Freeborn and Dylan Pond with me. How are you guys doing this morning? We're live. Hey, I'm kicking this morning. Uh, Dylan with Hawkeyes and Tallboys is powered by Dunkin' Donuts and their <laughs> medium, medium black coffee. So happy, happy to be here, Rob. We are having Tallboys of coffee this morning, and we want to bring you an episode. Uh, this is going to be like a, a secondary sort of episode every week that we're uh, trying this season, This um, just to kind of give you a reaction to what happened yesterday. And, uh, and just set up our next uh, episode, which will be um, next um, Tuesday or Wednesday. We'll go ahead and record that uh, for Iowa State, the Iowa State game coming up. So, but first, before we get into all that, guys, we, there was a game yesterday. First game of the season, Hawkeyes played the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, uh, FCS contender. We've talked about it all week, guys. We came away with a win, 7-3. to three. Um, not a touchdown was scored. I'd like to get your overall reaction. I'll toss it to Bo first. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I would say a pretty disappointing win. I think a win's a win. You know, we're one to know. Looking forward to next week already. But you know, I, I think that we talked a lot about how good this defense was going to be. They showed up. We knew special teams was going to be really good. They showed up again, uh, minus one missed field goal. But uh, as Dylan is probably going to allude to, the offense was uh, very underperforming at more than more than three phases between the quarterback situation, the O-line play, and then the running back receiver, you know, flex options there. So, Dylan, I'll pass to you, but I'll tell you this, you know, it was it was a pretty ugly win and I'm not sure how I feel about it today. Yeah, so this morning at Dunkin' Donuts, fellas, uh, you know, after I paid the lady for the coffee and the donuts we received, um, yeah, I grabbed the coffee and the lid came off the top of it and spilled hot coffee all over my hand. And in that moment, as much pain as I felt, it still felt better than watching an absolutely inept Iowa Hawkeye football offense perform. That was hands down the worst performance offensively I have ever seen in Kinnick Stadium. And this is you know, going to games since essentially 2000, you know, granted not every game, whatnot, but I just have not seen such a subpar performance where, you know, I think some people are going to remember where it took two blocked kicks back in 09 to beat FCS UNI. No, even then you had a little bit of offense. Like this was just absolutely pathetic. And we knew how pathetic this offense was to end the season last year after the Citrus Bowl. So you're telling me Brian Ferentz had eight months, eight months to correct in offense that once again is inept, not just in today's college football. I'd argue it's been inept for over 15 years. You know, it's been outdated and us fans, we've just kind of had to deal with it and it is what it is because it wins games, right? Well, it, it almost lost us a game to an FCS team yesterday. You know, I argue that if that defense hadn't played so superb, I mean, that's an FBS championship level defense that we've had for what the third year in a row now, and once again, by all indications from this first game of the year, it's going to appear to be wasted again by an absolutely inept offense led by Spencer Petrus. We talked about it before. What's the definition of insanity? Continuing to do the same thing 
and expect a different result. I am just in awe. I have been in awe. I slept on it. I slept for probably a solid 12 hours. And still, I am just baffled by what a poor offensive performance that was. I mean, everybody sucked. Yeah, I can hear the excuses now already. Okay, yeah, we had some wide receivers out. I get it. I get it. You know, some skill position players were out. But that offensive line looked absolutely horrible. We talked about it all week as well where, okay, yeah, we figured they're going to rotate in some guys and whatnot. And, you know, I think part of this podcast, we feel a little bit of homerism towards Tyler Ellsbury. Didn't see him whatsoever, yet he's listed on the depth chart, which, again, we know means absolutely nothing. So, zero rotation on that offensive line. I thought, you know, a lone bright spot might have been Bo Stevens. He looked good at some points, but obviously took some licks as well. Uh, Nick DeYoung, I have no idea what they're doing still playing this guy. I mean, you've tried him at tackle. That didn't work. Now you try him at guard. Yeah, that was absolutely horrible. Logan Jones, underwhelming to say the least. I think just across the board, you even saw Mason Richmond play horrible. So overall, as a unit, they looked horrible. And that's where in any Iowa offense starts is you got to blame those guys up front. And, you know, I get it. First game jitters. You know, I was expecting a first, you know, bad couple quarters, but an entire game. And inept, that's literally the only word that I can think of to describe this offense. So there's my overreaction for yesterday. It's, you know, we have championship-level defense, championship-level uh, special teams as well, and I'm not sure that offense could compete with the fucking high school at this point. I absolutely echo your concerns, Dylan. And, and honestly, that's part of the reason why we named this episode Sunday snapbacks is because you know we're going to be <laughs> kind of given our reactions and uh pure unadulterated unaltered uh feelings about it and it, I was shocked about how much you know like uh, we talked about last week and I talked I really was trying to manifest into the universe uh that Spencer Petrus's play would take a step forward this year and I I know it's just one game but like I was talking about this a lot yesterday with uh, folks that I was ha- hanging out and having beers with and watching the games with and things like that. And it was just like, you know, we don't give a lot of we don't give Spencer a lot of like opportunity to throw the ball. And I think when we do give him the opportunity to throw the ball, it's always in like we have to have this conversion situation. It's always like, we'll run the ball for no gain. We'll run the ball for four yards. It's third and six. And then we have to throw the ball and we have to get this for this third down conversion. And he'll overthrow the, the tight end, you know, or he'll. And like he had a couple strikes, but he threw a pick. They, um, you know, uh, Logan Jones, I think, who was snapping the ball. Um, you know, there was a misfire there. He there was a fumble that he almost lost, but he jumped on, you know, it's just like, we, I want to give him credit, but like he doesn't step up in the big when we need him to. And those are the only opportunities he gets. So I feel like it's even more nerve wracking. I I would think it would be for him. Well, and you know, we talked about it in the off season too, Rob, alluding to your point, you know, they talked about all this work he put in with his quarterback coach and how he was going to take a huge step forward was working on mental health, you know, physically and mentally thought he was there then came out in the first half and really didn't show us anything. And then I guess from my perspective, even too, I'm sure you guys are in the same boat, but I can't believe that uh, Kirk and Brian didn't bring out Padilla, you know, the second half, just to see if it would change something up, give our offense a little bit of extra spark, especially knowing that he's more of a runner and could throw on the run too. It was just a little interesting to think that, okay, hey, 
you know, we're going to come out firing right away in the second half. We're going to see if he can get on a stride, which, again, to your point, there was a couple of really good throws he had. But, again, there was just not enough moving on the offense, um, you know, for, for me to believe that he was probably our best best uh, option moving forward. But does that even mean, though, that Padilla isn't that good if they don't have enough trust, you know, to, to put him in in some kind of situation like that? You know, that, that's a good point there, Rob. But, you know, obviously we're fans. We're not allowed to be in the practices. So we don't know, you know, what Padilla – I mean, other than, you know, limited action – Last year, you know, what he brings to the table versus Spencer necessarily. I think, you know, we know Spencer's not a mobile quarterback. When the pocket breaks down, he's SOL. That is what it is, whereas Padilla is more of, you know, he can make some plays with his feet in that sort of time, that, that sort of thing. But other than that, we, we don't know what goes on every day in practice, right? All we hear is that, oh, yeah, you know, Spencer, he's a film room junkie. He's nonstop trying to get better, you know, and that's naturally going to be a Kirk Ferentz favorite. And – you know, I, I know you hear football coaches say it all the time. You know, I, I don't play favorites. And yes, yes, they do. You know, I think it's clear that Spencer Petras is his favorite, you know, based on the preparation, based off of how he looks in practice, uh, based off of, you know, constantly wanting to get better, that sort of thing. I get it. You know, truthfully, I do. And if he's the best option we got, then that is what it is. And, you know, roll with him. And I get it because it's twofold, right? You want to, you know, see if Alex Padilla can come in and spark the offense, right? But on the other hand, you know, you want to give, you know, let Spencer know, hey, you're the guy, you know, we're riding with you, you know, get out there and make something happen, right? But at what point do you pull the plug? At what point is it, hey, this is enough, you know? And they're going to watch the film, you know, they typically watch film on Sunday mornings, if I remember right. So, you know, they're probably watching the film right now and, you know, seeing, hey, you know, where, where can Spencer do better? And, you know, some of those crossfield throws even where, you know, guys are wide open out there in the opposite flat and those throws sail over your head. It's like, I mean, if you, if you can't hit those, you have no business being out on the field on a division one field. Like there's, I, I get it. He's got the yips, but again, I just don't even know how to put it in words, like how pathetic that offensive performance was. And he's the quarterback, you know, he's going to take his licks and deservedly so because you are the leader of this essentially inept how many times have I used that word today, guys? Inept offense. Just blasphemous to watch. Blasphemous to watch. And, you know, I've seen a few people on Twitter say, oh, yeah, rewatch the game and, you know, you'll see how bad the offensive line was. You'll see how bad X, Y, and Z was. It's like, no, I refuse to put myself through that. I yeah. want to have a good Sunday, you know. You know, and I know <laughs> the, the, the listeners can tell right now how pissed off I am. Yeah, I'm going to vent about it. And once this podcast is over and out there for the public, I'm going to get the fuck over it. Right. Yeah. You know, then we're on to Iowa state, but that's what the Sunday snapback podcast is all about, baby. Letting it out. We letting need it to out. let it out. Anyway, that's and, right. And you guys are my, ther my Hawkeye football therapist. Let's go. And we'll be your therapist, uh, you know, for the, all the listeners as well. We're, we're here to, you know, voice our opinions and, and tell you just how bad we really thought it was. Um, and it was a win, obviously. And it was an interesting way, um, you know, I think, Bo, you said before we were talking before the podcast um, that it was the first time that since the early 2000s that a team won seven or scored seven points without scoring a touchdown. Um, we had two safeties and a field goal. Um, and I just want to go through just some basic stats here of the box score. 
So obviously we won seven to three Spencer Peaches, 11 for 25, 109 yards with a pick. Um, LaShawn Williams on the rushing side, 24 carries, 72 yards. He averaged three yards a carry. The longest was a 10. Arlen Bruce led our, led the, the way in receptions on the team, uh, five receptions, 68 yards. Um, he had a long of uh, 27, um, our tight end, Sam Laporta, caught two passes for nine yards. Luke Lackey caught one pass for six yards. Um, our defense played really well. Jack Campbell led the way, 11 total tackles. Logan Lee behind him was six. Justin Jacobs with five, who went out, obviously, with the injury. We can talk about that soon. Um, and obviously, our punter, Tory Taylor, MVP, 10 punts, averaged 47.9 yards. He had a long of 57. He had, we, we pinned him down and under the, in the 10 yard, within the 10 yard line and multiple times during the game. Um, I want to get those stats out there uh, for the listeners, but um, what I want to cover you guys uh, a topic is um, exactly. And Dylan, you talked about this, but like how bad does our offense have to be before we start making some drastic changes? Right. And, you know, the great, great question there, Rob. Uh, you know, the answer is I don't know, because we did our preview podcast, right? And we talk about Dylan's keys to victories. And I'm not saying I know it all, but, you know, I, I know more than your drunken average fan at Kiddick Stadium. You know, I'm going to pat my own back there. So, right. Okay. Key to victory for the offense is getting the tight ends involved in establishing the run. You know, you could tell they tried to establish that run. Okay. But South Dakota State set, comes in and says, hey, you know, we're going to put seven, eight guys in the box. No, your Spencer Peters has to beat us with his arm, right? Okay, so what do we do there? We get the tight ends involved. How many receptions did you say uh, Sam Laporta had? Two. Two. How many receptions did Luke Lachey have? One? One. Like, you have got to be kidding me. And, you know, I'd love to see Sam Laporta's targets because he had some impossible balls thrown his way where he's a stud. You know, there was one I remember where Spencer Petras threw it behind him and, you know, about six feet high and Sam Laporta somehow almost came up with it. You know, one-handed freakish cash would have been, you know, number one on Sports Center top 10, no questions asked. And it's like, like, that's all you got to do. You got to get the tight ends the ball. And so mm-hmm. you can't fault Brian Ferentz there. He's calling the right play. He was trying to get those guys involved, right? Okay, so what it comes down to is execution. You hear the Iowa coaches say that all the time. It comes down to player execution. Okay, we have a quarterback, Spencer Petras, that is not executing. Yes, he's a great kid. Yes, he's a great leader for the team. Get him the fuck out. (laughs) Find somebody who can execute the quarterback position. And no, I'm not saying it's all his fault because, you know, he had guys in his face all day as well. That number 99, don't know his name from South Dakota State, was in his face like nonstop in the second half. So again, no, that falls on the offensive line, right? But it, the stats for themselves, 11 for 26 with 109 yards and an interception and probably should have been more interceptions. I can think of at least, you know, one to two more that were just jaw-dropping, like what the hell was that place? Yep. Uh, so when, you know, when is that- it enough? Yeah. To, to that too um another thing i wanted to mention there as well there's a lot of blame to be put on a lot of folks but you know if you were listening from home you could hear a lot of fans booing in the third and fourth quarter you know when, when we wouldn't get a first down after a third down conversion here but um 
you know, who, who do you think the fans were actually going after? Do you think it was more on Petrus? Do you think it was more Brian and Kirk Ferris? Do you think it was the old line? Do you think it was just a culmination of everything? Rob, what do you think there? Okay. So I feel bad saying that the booze are all for Spencer Petrus, but like, I think that the fans um, were at, were booing the situation. Like, I think they're just booing this Hawkeye team in general. Just like, we love you guys and we know that you can be good, but like, why are you, why can't you get the most basic things done? Like you can't even convert a, I think we were, uh, I just looked at this stat um, four for 17 on third down conversions. South Dakota state was three for 16. So, I mean, our, their defense wasn't that good. It's just how, how terrible our offense is. So, yeah. So I think they're just, they're just sick of seeing like us not be able to move the ball at all. You know, it's, the, it's, oh, probably, absolutely. if you're a football fan, that has to be the most frustrating thing to, I mean, this Iowa Hawkeye football team, this current version that we saw yesterday on the field is the most frustrating football team I've ever had to watch in my life. I can't think of another team that is more frustrated to watch than this team. And for those of you listeners that don't already know this, Rob is a Chicago bears fan. And he <laughs> says the Hawkeye offense is more frustrating to watch. And this man 17 weeks a year has to watch his bears offense. Like, let's, let's throw that out there for a second for some of you football fans. Like, my God, if he says this is the most pathetic offense he's seen and, you know, the most frustrating to watch, like, take a look in the mirror. My God. And, you know, Bo, uh, excellent point bringing up the booze. And I think the best answer is it's just a culmination of everything where it's offensive line sucked, skilled players sucked, quarterbacks sucked, uh, Wide receivers, with the exception of Arlen Bruce, who I think had a phenomenal game, sucked. Yeah. Tight ends, sucked. Just everything sucked. Play calling. I, we don't even know if the play calling sucked, but I assume it sucked because the rest of the offense sucked. So that comes, you know, that, that falls on the head of Brian Ferentz there. So, you know, I'm, don't, I know I'm a Brian Ferentz homer as well, and I like the guy, and, but he's got to take some of that blame too because ultimately he's responsible for this unit. And then no. – the man that's responsible for him, Kirk Ferentz. I was uh, – I don't want to toot my own horn or anything, but in the in the second and third quarter, I, I uh, was sitting right next to my wife, Liv, and I was telling her, hey, I was going to do this. I was going to do that. And it was literally three straight offensive series. I called every play. So, like, for somebody sitting in the stand, you know, knowing situational, what exactly – like, you got to be able to change it up too, you know. So, I, I totally get that. Rob, I think that was a terrific answer. On, on another note, maybe a little bit more positive, other than the crowd booing, we heard a lot of MVP chants for Tory Taylor. And Robin said these stats a little earlier: ten punts, almost forty-eight yards a punt. And how many of those seven landed within the twenty? How how many of those landed within the the ten or the five? Dude, what yeah. an awesome performance by Tory Taylor! He's really padding his stats. He's showing everybody that he, you know, is going to be an NFL player one day. Um, I mean, despite I saw him on the sidelines multiple times, like talking to Spencer, talking to the guys, like trying to keep the positivity. You could see on the sideline they were frustrated. You know what I mean? You could see the players frustrated. But, I mean, great performance by Torrey Taylor. He put us – he literally puts us in the position for that defense to succeed. And that I think he's the reason why we won the game yesterday. 
Absolutely, no doubt. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If Tory Taylor was not our punter, we do not win that game yesterday. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. An absolute elite performance from him. Uh, I think, no doubt about it, he's going to get drafted in the NFL this year, at the very least, undrafted. And, um, you know, I think there's a good chance he ends up going for that reason. Um, and then another thing, and I hate to bring it up again, but you were talking about the booze there, Bo, and Jack Campbell, you know, came on. Uh, you know, his post-game press conference and was talking about it. And I get it, you know, the offensive guys, he's built relationships with them. He's their brother, you know, because he knows. He knows it's not the defense the fans are booing, right? It's the offense. And, you know, he, he's a good human being and wants the best for his teammates. He's always going to stick up for his guys. Like, absolutely love that in a teammate. But what you have to realize is college football is a completely new game. Whether you like it or not, College football is officially, now that players are getting paid, that is a semi-professional football game. You know, these players are getting paid over $100,000 worth of scholarships, right? They're getting paid now on the side for their name, image, and likeness, which is well-deserved in my opinion. But look at NFL stadiums. In an NFL stadium, it's entertainment, right? That's what, the, that's what football is for us. It's entertainment. That's why it brings in so much money. That's why it's America's game. And so in the NFL – if the product is not up to a certain standard, you're going to hear booze, right? That's business. And that's what college football has become, you know, especially in this name, image, and likeness world. It is a business. So I understand not liking the booze, but if you don't like the booze, fucking do something about it. You know, Jack Campbell, you're a leader for this team. You know, we hear all the time what a silent leader he is. Get a little vocal. You know, we heard it. Back in 2010, I think it was, when, you know, Iowa's offense was a little bit subpar and their defense was phenomenal, right? Coming off of that Orange Bowl win from 2009. And fucking, who was it? Not Mitch King. I think it was Pat Anger. You know, Pat Anger and Ricky Stanzi were very, very good friends back in the day, right? Pat Anger gets out there on the field and yells at his offense and says, get, get a fucking first down. My guys are tired. It's like, yeah. You know, do something. Light, somebody on that offense needs to light a fucking spark under their ass and go. Like, and I, I don't know who it's going to be. I mean, somebody's got to step up. You know, that off, everybody's got to step up. That offensive line's got to step up. Everybody across the board has got to step up because, yeah, Tory Taylor is a phenomenal punter. We should not see him as often as we do. What we saw a stat earlier when Iowa punts eight or more times, they've had six wins since 2020. That is ridiculous. That can't happen. This offense needs to improve. So, Jack Campbell, you know, as much as I love watching you every single Saturday, you know, be the guy. Step up. Be a captain. Be a vocal leader. That's what this offense needs. I agree. Um, so, before we talk about, um, you know, the rest of the the rest of the team here, because we're we're kind of just. We need to talk about this offense. It, it has to be said. We have to be able to to, to, to express, you know, how how terrible this is. But, um, you know, I, I think it's it's good for us to get it out. And I want to talk about the defense and how outstanding they were. Um, but before we get to that, guys, I have a question for you. So um, <clears throat> let's say hypothetically, you know, Dylan, you are in the position to make the changes that need to be made. Um because let's look at the team as a whole. Like we, we have the guys that we have right now. 
you know what I mean? Like with the, the recruitment season's over, everything's, this is the team. This is, this is what the players on the team is what we have to work with right now. What changes would you make if you had um, all sort of, if you were Kirk Ferentz, like what changes would you make to, to help the offense become more confident? Well, first of all, I would go to my employer and ask for a raise because the current offensive coordinator at the University of Iowa, Brian Ferentz, makes well over 10 to 15 times what I make on a yearly basis. So, you know, and I understand that's kind of a cop-out thing to say, but I don't get paid (laughs) to make those decisions, right? Like Brian Ferentz does. You know, that's what you get paid the high bucks for. You don't get paid to do whatever daddy wants you to do. Like you get paid to make the offense better and you're not doing it. So, okay. Brian Ferentz is fired. Dylan Pond, officially the new offense coordinator for the university of Iowa Hawkeyes. Let's go. Here's what I'm doing. It's like, okay, I understand Iowa football in a nutshell since Hayden Fry and obviously Kirk Ferentz is a disciple of Hayden Fry. So this is how he wants to run it. Right. Okay. So outfield position. So we look at that. Okay. Tory Taylor gives us phenomenal field position on the offensive side of the ball and for our defense. So, okay. So he puts our defense in good positions, which in turn put our offense in great positions. So right there, you don't need to touch anything. Bill Parker, LeVar Woods, their units. Perfect. Don't need to do anything there. Right. Okay. So offensively where it all starts up front, the offensive line. Now they took Logan Jones from the defensive line and stuck him at center. It's been one game. Can't say it's a failed experiment yet. We're keeping them there. Okay. Guard play yesterday, with the exception of Bo Stevens, utterly horrible. Okay, who else we got? You know, we look at Jennings Dunker. You know, we saw him a little bit, but not a lot. Okay, I'd like to see some more of him. What we did see, it looked pretty good. So I understand getting your feet wet playing at Kinnick. You know, get some more guys rotated in. Ellsbury, another one. You know, let's get him rotated in at those guard spots, see what's going on there. Tackles. Mason Richmond, I think everybody knows he's kind of been the guy over there at left tackle. And now that David Davidkoff's not playing, you know, I think you got to kind of keep him where he's at. So no changes there. Uh, Connor Colby over there on the right side. You know, we saw Nick DeYoung bump in. Yeah, I don't know if we think about bumping him back out to tackle where he's maybe a little more natural. Uh, we look at Jack Plum as well, who I think was dealing with an injury. I didn't see a whole lot of him yesterday. So that that's my answer on the offensive line. We got to rotate guys in and we got to figure out who the best five are. Because yesterday that was not the best five out there on the field. That was I don't think we anybody can tell you that. Yep. I mean, gr- grandma in the stands could have told you that offensive line sucked, right? You know, and that's as an official, that's how we know when something bad just happened, right? We just blew a bad call because grandma up in the stands is pissed off. Grandma should never be pissed off. Grandma should be there to watch her kids play, her grandkids play, and have nothing but a smile on, even when you know her grandson's getting his ass kicked up and down the field. Just loves watching him do what he's doing, right? Okay. So grandma's pissed off at this Iowa offensive line. Let's start swapping out. Let's see what we can do. Then we bump back to quarterback. Okay. Spencer Petrus, he's not executing. Okay, who can execute? You know, next man up, Alex Padilla. Rotate him in for a series. See what can happen. Okay. Maybe he's not the answer. You know, Joey Labus doesn't know the playbook. We heard for the last eight months that Brian Ferentz is simplifying the playbook, right? Okay, with a simplified version of the Iowa offense, Spencer Petras still can't execute. Okay, let's see what Padilla's got. Let's see what Joey Labus even has. 
Um, Carson May just came a few months ago, so we're not touching him. But we got three quarterbacks, essentially. We can rotate in early in the season and see what they got. Running back position. Uh, didn't see a whole hell of a lot of Gavin Williams, right? Now, I don't know if that's mainly because LaShawn's better or Gavin's dealing with a little bit of the injury bug. Yes, like, okay, there you go. So yeah. just like half the offense is hurt, you know, Gavin Williams was hurt as well. Boogie looked good. LaShawn Boogie Williams, I thought he looked pretty good. You know, he had zero offensive line helping him, but at least it was better than when Tyler Goodson, you know, dances around four yards in the backfield all for a minus two-yard gain, right? Yep. So love to see that north-south running. I don't think there's much change needed there. We saw a little bit of Caleb Johnson yesterday as well. Um, you know, even saw a Monty Padawan run. So maybe throw a few more of those in there. I don't know. That doesn't hurt. Then we look at the tight ends. Okay. We got two studly tight ends in Sam Laporta and Luke Lachey. You know, you could rotate in Addison Ostringer in there as well. Right? Don't really need to change much there. And then wide receiver, you got Nico Regani out with injury. Uh, Arlen Bruce looked phenomenal. You got to keep him on the field. Uh, Alec Wick, from what I saw, ran some crisp routes, looked good. Just Spencer Petras couldn't get him the ball, right? Yep. Again, so – Receivers, I don't think we need to do much with. Just need to get guys healthy. Tight ends don't need to do much with. Rotating around on that offensive line would be a big thing. And then rotating at quarterback because Spencer Petrus's performance, absolutely unacceptable. So there you go. The Iowa offense is fixed. Now I get, what does it sit? No, Kirk makes $7 million a year. I think Brian's like in the one to two range. So I want my raise, Gary Barta. I, that's a great answer, Bill. I, I love that, how you broke it down into all the positional pieces. In my opinion, I mean, and we've talked about this, we got to get those tight ends involved more. I saw them run an out route. I saw them run like a button hook route. They ran a slant over the middle and we didn't get them the ball. Um, you know, like they were very basic routes. Like if we're going to have those guys in the game, like we have to be able to get them the ball. And like, it, I don't care how we do it. It could be the most basic thing. It could be like a tight end screen, you know, like a bubble play off the, off the end of the line there. You know, it could be like a, anything. And if they're having trouble, like if the offensive line is having trouble with their pass, getting their pass blocks, then pull, then we need to run like a different, run it out of a different formation. You know, uh, we need to be able to like, protect him you know let's pull in the let's pull in a running back you know let's let's have two running backs back there in shotgun you know and have them pass block a little bit more like just anything that we can do to get him a little bit of time to throw the ball that that or even conversely trying to get the ball out of his hands even quicker run even quicker routes run things to, to get the ball out of spencer's hand so that, that d line gets tired they start to shrug off a little bit which will then open up holes for running which will keep him on their feet and then we can help hit the, the play action pass, which again, like you were saying, Rob will give us a little bit more time to actually air the ball out and get the ball downfield. Yeah. We just got to mm -hmm. be able to protect them. In, in theory, it, it's all perfect. Right. But right. you got to be able to execute. Yep. We got to have, here's the thing that I don't believe. I don't believe that the athletes in our locker room are worse than the athletes in the South Dakota state locker room. You know what I mean? But like in the trenches, the offensive line, they were getting their asses kicked by this South Dakota state line. Like they were all over the place. 
are they that good? I mean, South Dakota State is no slouch, but like, how are we like? How are we going to be able to contend and defend the Big Ten West if we're playing like this? Can you imagine if we played like this against Wisconsin? Anyways, I digress. That wouldn't. No, no, you're spot on there, but Rob, because that's not going to be a good day. And you know, and I don't apologize for some of my negative takes on here this morning. I really don't. But that being said, it's been quoted by Kirk Ferentz, I don't know how many times, you know, his teams see the greatest amount of improvement for one throughout the season. So his best football teams are typically in November, right? We've heard that plenty of times, but also he said that he sees the most improvement from week one to week two. So hearing that this defense can improve, that is an awesome, awesome sign, you know, and, um, obviously losing Justin Jacobs hurts a little bit. And then the Hawks reacted so flawlessly to that and just moved into cash and brought Cooper to Gina who looked phenomenal. I am so pumped that number three is wearing a Hawkeye Jersey, which, you know, he was a Hawkeye fan his whole life. He wasn't going anywhere, but fired up that the former, you know, Gatorade football player of the year chose the Iowa Hawkeyes and, um, got Terry Roberts, technically a backup cornerback looked awesome as well. He, you know, he was shut, shut, shut down all day long. You know, it was so good to see Quinn Schulte stepping in for Jack Kerner. You know, we, we had a few hesitations, you know, maybe some reservations about that secondary. Those are all out the window. They looked phenomenal. Uh, Love to see it. And then, you know, Seth Benson and Jack Campbell as well, you know, looked great per usual, that defensive line rotating guys in and out, just like we talked about all week. They, they looked great. So that defense, like I said before, they are championship level good. And, you know, they're going to improve, continue to improve on their already awesome pedigree. Uh, you know, if our offense can make a big improvement from week one to week two, I feel good about the rest of the season. You know, you talked a lot about the the secondary, which arguably played probably the best complimentary f- football that, you know, we could have asked for at least to start the season. How about that front line? I know a lot of people were really excited about the depth and what was going to happen with that D line. They forced four, four sacks, a couple of tackles for loss, obviously two safeties. And I thought uh, I thought the leader on that team obviously didn't have the most tackles other than Logan Lee. But Deontay Craig looked really good. I was very impressed with how good he played yesterday. And, and honestly, everybody on that D-line. So that was really good to see, too, especially with, again, the high expectations they had coming into the year. Oh, absolutely, man. Noah, Noah Shannon looked great. Deontay Craig looked great. Logan Lee looked phenomenal. I you know, I know he's a defensive tackle, so it's not a great comparison, but he just reminds me of Drew Ott, you know, the way he plays the game and just he's just constantly a force, constantly in there. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm missing people. Way up, way up Joe, black looked awesome. Joe Evans played Joe well. Evans looked awesome. Joe Evans yes. looked awesome. Yeah. yeah, that entire defensive line, they played so good, you know, and, and they were, you know, them and Tory Taylor are the reasons that we won this game, you know, and so that's – that's awesome to see. It really is that, you know, when, when your offense can't play any worse, that defense keeps you in and, you know, scores more points than your offense does to win you a ball game. That's pretty cool. And go ahead, Rob. I was going to mention that, that our defense outscored our offense, which um, is typical classic Iowa football. Um, I think, you know, it was interesting that we, we got to see a lot of how, like Terry Roberts shine in this defense yesterday. 
And I think part of that is because they're not throwing to Riley's side. You know what I mean? Riley Moss is like, obviously, if you're from an opposing standpoint, like our best, say our, our best secondary member, um, he's an All-American. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're, they're probably not. He's going to be on their best receiver and they're probably not going to throw him the ball as much, which give kind of opens it up on that other side of the field with Terry Roberts. Um, he made a couple of great tackles, um, you know, right at the line of scrimmage. And he had a couple of knockdowns that I saw um, that looked amazing. I mean, I was super excited to see Terry Roberts play that well. And, and like from an emotional standpoint, too, it was almost like a, a leadership role out there. You know, he'd get a play, he'd flex to the crowd, you know, pump his team up. Like, I absolutely love that. So that even brings up a question, too, is, you know, what does Jamari Harris do coming back next week? You know, having this week off and giving Scary Terry, you know, the opportunity, he took his opportunity and shined. You know, I'm sure they'll do some more rotations and things of that nature. Obviously, it's it's bound to happen. But Terry played well enough to make me believe that he should have been, you know, the starter for sure going into this year. Yeah, I agree. And that means that there's just another dog in that secondary that can be plug and play <laughs> elsewhere. You know what I mean? Because we're going to see teams like Purdue who want to throw the ball a lot. We need to have guys that can be able to rotate in. And so um, – yeah, that was great. Quinn Schulte was, played really well. He had four pass deflections. Scary Terry Roberts had two. Um, Deontay Craig had a pass deflection. So did Justin Jacobs before he left with injury. So uh, really looking forward to seeing this defense get better and play better. Um, just an amazing, obviously. And, you know, here's the interesting thing about Iowa. And I was telling this to people I was hanging out with yesterday when I was watching the game. But when I feel like – Kinnick and everybody just has a sigh of relief when the defense runs onto the field. And now it's all right. just, everyone's just like, Oh yes. Okay. Let's get a pick six. Here is where something's going to happen for our team. But when the offense runs out in the field, I feel like everyone's like, you know, consent, like their assholes pucker. It's just like, Oh shit. Here we go. Well, <laughs> like, we're just, and, and talking about the fans, too, I mean, look at – obviously, we got the ball first, and then we punted it down. We pinned them deep in that north end zone. Another two or three false starts to start the game. Like, how loud were the fans getting into it, you know? And, again, in the second half, when when we needed it, you know, needed a big stop or needed something, the crowd got into it. I thought outside of the booing and the MVP chance for uh, for Torrey Taylor, I thought that the crowd did a really good job of keeping everybody engaged and giving some support throughout the – throughout the game. So I was really impressed with that. Yeah. Well, you guys, um, we kind of covered the offense and defense and special teams and what we thought. Um, we were off on our predictions, obviously. If you bet the under, um, you were in the money. I was telling you to bet the under. I was right. I didn't think that I'd be right by that much. I think this all came as a surprise. <laughs> um, the final score was definitely a surprise. This is a classic Iowa game. And I, of all the teams I've ever followed, I've never followed a team like the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'll tell you that much. As a fan, I am more and more shocked the more I watch games of the Iowa football Hawkeyes. The, Iowa, the football team is just ridiculous. We do the hard things so well. And the easy stuff, we're shitty at <laughs> like scoring points in college football like the worst teams can at least score 
So that's right. kind of, let's get to final thoughts. You guys, if, what else do you have to add? You know, I think if, if anything, one, one t- big takeaway is, you know, if, if LaShawn Williams, as well as he did yesterday, if he didn't fumble that ball, it's, it's likely we're going to go and, and, and punch that in um, there. Cause what we're within the five yard line after, after that run, you know, it makes you wonder, you know, if the, if the offense would have jump started after being up at that time, then 14, 14 to three, or, you know, how, how we would have responded after that too. So it just kind of makes you wonder in hindsight, what, what would have happened if, you know, if we could have got at least one touchdown on the board. Right. If we would have, no, right. Like, I don't think we would have. I'm sorry. We're, we're overreacting today, obviously. Right. Like we only scored yeah. seven points and most of it was, you know, defense and, and special teams related, you know, would we be having these kind of reservations if we would have gotten at least another touchdown on the board? You know what I'm saying? I don't think oh, we would have been talking not. about it as much. Sorry. Go ahead, Dill. No, no, no. You're, you're spot on there, Rob. I, we, we would not have been talking about it as much because, you know, we, we'd feel a little bit more positive. Hey, at least we showed something. We punched it in the end zone and you're spot on. Obviously we're overreacting. We're very passionate. And, you know, if we get in the end zone there, the offense looks a little bit better. Right. So, you know, yeah. this offense, it's just can't afford the little mistakes. Just really can. And, and l- luckily for us, we have a, you know, all world defense and all world special teams that can bail you out. And that's what they did yesterday. And at the end of the day, guys, as much as I've bitched, we came out with the win, right? We're one and all and we're on Iowa State. That's right. Couldn't have said it better myself, Dylan. Well, thank you for listening, guys. Um, we're going to close out. This is our first Sunday snapback game reaction. It's a Sunday morning, and we're going to do this every every week for this season. We're going to have our little Sunday recaps. Um, so please feel free to you know tune in, follow us on uh, on Facebook, uh, Facebook. Um, it's I think Hawkeyes and Tall Boys on Facebook. Um, at on Twitter, it's going to be at H Tall Boys. On you can find us on YouTube. We'll be posting this today, so you can see our live reactions. Uh, And then we'll have another episode coming up to preview Iowa State in a few days. So appreciate you listening. We're going to close it out um, and we'll see what we can do next uh, next week, guys. Thanks.